Hey everyone and welcome back to the Motherkind podcast with me Zoe Blasky where each week I chat to a well-being expert about motherhood and well-being. This week on episode 9 I'm talking to the wonderful Natalie Pennacott Collier. Natalie is one of London's leading mind coaches. She's an elite sport mind coach and works with Team GB. She's also trained in mindfulness, hypnotherapy and she's an absolute sleep ninja. Natalie has so much to share with us. I was actually unusually quiet for me in this one as I wanted Natalie to impart as much as her wisdom as possible. Natalie shares her journey to this career. How you are right now isn't necessarily the finished article and that's really empowering. How becoming a mother changed everything for her. What she teaches teens and how it applies to us as mums. Stepping into motherhood, taking away those limiting beliefs my job is to then empower another human being to do that for themselves. How to cultivate self-trust and the big one, sleep. Understand this, that if you care about your mental health and you care about being empowered about your well-being, sleep is the first opportunity in understanding how to relax. It was Natalie's first ever podcast, which was a huge honour. And I think you'll agree, she just shares with us so much incredible wisdom and knowledge. All the resources and the books that we talk about will be on the website at motherkind.co. And I really hope you enjoy it. If you did, please let Natalie and I know either in the comments on the website, on Instagram, or leave a review on iTunes. Here it is. So Natalie, welcome to the Mother Kind podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and thank you so much for having me to your beautiful home on this snowy day. I know. <laughs> can, we, can we reference? It's actually the deep freeze as it should be in December. I know. Well, I was driving here and it started to snow and I suddenly thought, God, I hope I can get home okay. So we'll look after you. But no, thank you. This is a creative new experience for me. I have yet to do a podcast, so it's brilliant. You know by now and hopefully through my social media. I'm really about getting outside of the therapist's office and the world of secrecy and mind coaching, particularly in sports, and really getting out there to the people and shining a light on what we do and how change is possible for everyone, whether you're a child, a teen, or a mummy, or a human being. So I'm really excited to try and inspire certainly educate around sleep and anxiety and the work that I do and also my mission so yeah I'm really excited well I was really excited to find you so I found Natalie on Instagram under Karma Rama and I just loved your focus very much on how we use our minds really everything that's available to us and did you always have this passion for you know our minds and our mental health or when no. did that <laughs> tell us your story no absolutely I'll be really honest I think I am um, I guess it's fair to say for the first time I did quite a revealing post on Instagram recently and with the background of the whole meaty awareness campaign and movement which has been brilliant but really touched me poignantly I think it's fair to say I was very not aware of my potential in my 20s without going into detail I had a loving family uh, mummy that brought me up but a difficult context some quite serious abuse that happened at a really young age 11 to 14 so I posted recently that actually from broken girls transform into strong women and that was all I really wanted to say on the subject matter but I think it's fair to say and I certainly share in one-to-one and particularly when I work in schools that 
my continuum of mental health and well-being and certainly self-belief has not been an upward trajectory. It's been a wonderful, curvy, crazy line of highs and lows. But, and I think this is the message, I think it's fair to say for so many of us, and even if you haven't found it yet, becoming a mother changed everything for me. That was when I certainly stepped for the first time into the flow and the energy that other people had believed was there. Definitely believed it was there, but I wasn't listening. I didn't believe in it at all. I was told it, but it didn't feel congruent. And I think it's really only seven or eight years ago, my daughter is seven and a half now, Darcy, and stepping into preparation as well, because it starts when you find out you're pregnant. I think the levels of questioning and anxiety and certainly shining a light on core values and what kind of mother I wanted to be, like it was a different part of me. I then since understood that it's all part of you, but I thought I was stepping into a different island that I didn't know about. And I think we'll talk about this in the podcast, but actually the journey is understanding you are always the island. You've always been the island, but that's the journey, not understanding you have to step into new shoes, just shoes you haven't worn yet. Mm. That wisdom is always there. So yes, without going into too much detail, because it feels like a really long time ago, but that reference, that mindfulness of my own painful journey and ups and downs and lack of self-belief and not listening to others that believed in me really only came about seven or eight years ago. I was lucky enough to spend 10 years working at the BBC in my 20s, starting off in events and then naturally moving into learning and development and having the pleasure and the budget, of course, of booking the very best learning and development and coaches and real talent development. And so that really opened my eyes to human potential and empowerment. So yes, I think as most of us do, and if you haven't yet, you may well do throughout your life. Most mothers have on average six or seven careers now throughout their lives. And I think that's really important to reflect on that. How you are right now isn't necessarily the finished article. And that's really empowering, particularly when I talk to teens to say, don't think you have to work it all out now and how you're feeling and where you think your map of the world is going. The beauty and the curiousness of the journey is that it's always evolving. So, And did you ever think you'd be here talking about that curiousness of the journey? No, actually, I think there's always a shadow of deep self-belief and an internal voice helping you remind you that we are all more resourceful than we yet know. The only time that it hit me quite recently, and I'm very happy to share with this, is I do a lot of work with Young Minds, a fantastic charity, and I choose as a professional therapist and mind coach. We should and we must continue our learning. So I do four CPD courses a year, and I choose to spend my money with Young Minds. So it was a self-harm course, Mm. an in-depth journey into self-harm and particularly how to convey that message both to parents which is the most important thing but also to the sufferer the victim too and understanding both parts to that coin and understanding then how to educate around it and I did self-harm as a way to communicate 
a difficult time at a really young age when I had a terrible secret that I wasn't able to share at 11 or 12. And for me, I didn't take that journey further, but I still have some scars on my arm to show. And I found myself sitting at the front of this fantastic course with a lot of mental health workers, fellow mental health mavens, care workers, social workers, incredible people throughout the boroughs of London, really superhuman people. And I found myself sitting at the front and feeling the subconscious spark hit me when I had to listen to the voices. And it suddenly hit me. That was me. And here I am at the front of a course on my journey to empower other teens and kids, particularly in prevention, that before we get to this deep pain and a lack of communication. I think all I'll say on the matter is they said very poignantly when you're educating parents as this may become part of our journey with the way statistics are going and mental health at the moment and the rates are really pretty scary. We need to step into this subject and topic. We mustn't shy away from it. It's not attention seeking it's attention seeking. And in fact, they said on the brilliant empowerment videos and the many resources available to us that if you cannot handle the ugliness on the outside and if you can't understand that, then you sure as hell won't like what I'm feeling on the inside. And I think if I can convey that message to teens that it's just another form of communication and expression it's really important. I'm not saying I'm any expert on the matter. I don't think anyone is saying that they are, but it's a subject that we need to lean towards rather than against, mm-hmm. particularly as mother of a fairly young daughter and son. It's important that you think about it, how you might deal with it and educate yourself on it. But it was the most poignant part of my journey as a mother, as someone who's seeking to support others in transformation that actually here I am. <laughs> trying to support others and able to finally reflect on my pain but really use that in a positive way a mist of resilience and a mist of transformation to really support others I think that's so important isn't it and I know I totally resonate with that idea of how can we take our experiences your experiences yeah and use them for a force of good or to, to be the example for the next generation you know that's something that I'm deeply passionate about and that's why mother kind is very mum centric i love it and a few people ask me that you know why don't you do more about traditional parenting and i think my view is really that once we embody that place in ourselves of that awareness that mindfulness as you would call it it's easier to spot some of those truth-telling signs and one of my favorite authors is a woman called glennon doyle and I don't know if you've come across No, her. I haven't she, actually. She's amazing. Thank you. She, and education <laughs> she talks about that. She nice. says that we always tell the truth. And if yes. we don't have the space to tell the truth, our behaviour will tell the truth. Quite. And this is really important. It's all about the work that I do, is making people aware of the non-verbals, of their energy. Your whole neurology is always telling a story every day you are always conveying your energy and what's going on inside and it's so easy for us to use language and shortcuts and technology to try and tell a different story but actually we are always telling that story we are always congruent and the more aware you are of that 
the better because then you can shape it in your favor and tell your truth with your own energy mm -hmm. through body language through many of the tools and techniques that we'll discuss later but yes if you really see motherhood as the start of the journey another not another you but a real you an ability to tell your own truth that's the most empowering message that I think I've gleaned from you as well it's a wonderful yeah. way to view motherhood what I see damages lots of children yeah. is when children pick up on energy and when they feel something going on in the home and we don't voice that I think children make up their own stories or their own versions their own limiting beliefs perhaps as exactly. you would say about what that's about and I think truth telling and being honest is such a great brave, antidote Lisa. and it's really brave really brave and it's not about telling them what they want to hear and they're so intuitive my son at the moment is five and just started school against the odds he's got spina bifida so we've been on quite a journey with that a whole new part of motherhood helping your child be more resourceful than perhaps their physical being is allowing them to be but what a perfect opportunity to talk about mindset and not limiting beliefs so if someone doesn't know limiting beliefs they haven't heard of that. can you just explain <laughs> yeah, so the nicest and easiest way that i can talk about this is that we are born perfect we are born with our truth and with our own natural energy but along the way as we know words have power think about it like this we collect post-it notes and they're not necessarily truths they're just words that other people in fact i hear it all the time in the therapy that I do. You'll be surprised, even when I work with children, how parents can interject and say, yes, they're just like me. Oh, she's a terrible sleeper, just like me. And it's screaming out to me, and I have to try to shine a light on that to say that's absolutely not true. But think about limiting beliefs in this way, just as a collection of post-it notes, not necessarily truths that we have put on us and my job as a transformation coach and a therapist is to take those off it's not about to create potential in you the potential is there it's about revealing that and about you understanding that you are more than just a collection of i can and i can't and most importantly what ifs what ifs are the most powerful negative i can't do that and it's really when we only question somebody and say, well, how do you know that to be true? And more often than not, and you might feel able to ask yourself the truth now, what is it that you're most scared of? And have you ever even tried it? I recently embarked on this journey myself. I spent a whole 10 years at the BBC in learning and development in events, not presenting because I'd never tried it and I thought, no, I can't present. I'll get nervous talking in front of a crowd. And I found out seven or eight years ago when I retrained and I smashed through my own fears and really realized my own potential that that isn't the case. And cultivating that deep self-trust every day in other people is so empowering. <laughs> you know, I work with people for five weeks and I'm really quite clear about this. Not many therapists do, but it's five weeks. There's a reason that mindfulness courses are eight weeks evidence-based because it takes time to work through subconscious, but also logical patterns of excellence, patterns of behavior, working through language, working through behavior, working through that body language that you project takes time we must have patience in what we do I think so many of us seek 
McDonald's mindfulness or McDonald's self-help. I've tried this once and it didn't work for me. Slow it down. We've got the rest of our lives, particularly as we'll talk through in a minute about sleep, changing people's relationship with your thoughts, emotions, and in fact, making friends with your mind is the most useful gift that I can help somebody going to. It's always there with us. So many of the kids and children, teens in particular, but also other human beings, are at war with their minds, wanting to be or thinking they should be something different or feel. And it's not about that at all. Really needs to be a more mindful, curious, but more patient approach. Not about quick fixes. Although it's true that transformation with the right metaphors and the right approach to therapy can happen very quickly. And if it does, great. I then challenge my patients and clients and brave human beings to then say, okay, now you've demonstrated for yourself what else is true. And I love it when they come back to me, whether WhatsApp or whatever, to say, three weeks ago, I didn't think I could drive on the motorway. And now I've done that. And I say, great, what other post-it notes are you going to take off? And it might be their deepest passions or fears. For example, last week, I've always wanted to be a Zimba teacher. I've loved dance. I never thought that was viable. Stepping into motherhood, taking away those limiting beliefs. My job is to then empower another human being to do that for themselves. Then it becomes a domino effect and then anything is possible. Understanding you are the most resourceful, but you just don't know it yet is the most wonderful mm. gift that I think we can um, give to kids and children and to ourselves. Yeah, yeah, no, I love that. And I'm so glad that you talked about fear because fear is something that I you know, talk about and I write about a lot. And we talk about it in the 12-step movement and the recovery movement as false expectations mm. hearing real. And I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love it. But I think also what's interesting to me, and I'd just love you to talk a bit to it as well, is that so many of our fears are subconscious. Absolutely. And I think that's where working with someone like you or even through a self-help program or even journaling is really powerful for this exactly to get under some of those subconscious fears that are driving me and my behavior can you just talk a bit about how we can access some of those subconscious things that are going on that we know don't we are actually what are driving us often rather than the things that we know about they are more powerful and hypnotherapy is one of the most useful tools that i use it's not the only one i layer other therapy tools for the person but i think the subconscious we all hold it in reverse some people actually aren't even in tune with it call it intuition second brain gut feeling it doesn't really matter the language find the right language for you but for me it's that deep trust that wisdom in yourself and one of the best ways to access and allow that to really guide you in the right direction is that daily attention to quiet whether that's through mindfulness, meditation, certainly unplugging from technology. It's been said by many wonderful mental health mavens and therapists before, but feel the feels, you know, really allowing space. Space is key. And in fact, whenever we're trying to listen to our subconscious, as I like to call it, it is understanding that actually... If you create that space every day and really listen into yourself by quiet or by unplug, you can really 
feel in tune it's always there it's all powerful and in fact when we talk about subconscious think about every moment every tab of information in your brain like technology it's always absorbing never deleted and our subconscious mind is always trying to help us it's never trying to trip us up it's making decisions before our logical prefrontal cortex of our brain is able to process it and sometimes it just makes the wrong connections in your mind so understanding that just as it learned to fire up neurons learned to make what it thought was the right decisions for you make friends with your mind and allow that space whether that's through yoga movement i'm really quite open-minded when it comes to working with people sure we use hypnotherapy in my practice but also i allow people to find the space what works for you journaling is huge particularly at the start of a journey so beneficial the power of the pen in order for me to be a good therapist and a good transformation coach is to really analyze language and look out for those deletions you might hold yourself in a box and it's just through the power of the pen and daily journaling truths not what i want to hear truths your truths only by shining a light and feeling and observing and having the brave fearlessness to look at the whole picture can we see where those adjustments and tweaks and often it can only be a small thing a new frame on the world how can you reframe it and this is particularly beneficial when it comes to sleep actually so many people approach me and say I love that you're a sleep insomnia hypnotherapist too. It's true that it's probably about 50-60% of what I do every week. I'm really passionate about the subject. I'm really lucky when I work in elite sport and with Team GB athletes that everything I do has to be evidence-based. So I sought out to understand the science behind sleep. And I have a link with the Geneva Sleep Lab who works with ultra marathon runners, ultra athletes, and a wonderful scientist who's dedicated. And I give her a shout out, Dr. Charlotte Edelston. She's kind enough to support the work that I do. And I in turn the work that she does. She's a scientist, I'm a therapist. We are looking at evidence-based and more 360 well-being, as we're calling it now, the whole package, understanding your whole neurology. And when it comes to sleep, so many people come with an anxious stress list of, I should be sleeping, particularly when it comes to mothers. It's so easy to reflect back on the perfection, right? I used to sleep eight hours, holding the post-it note to truth. What you used to be in the past, and it was in the past, is now true, and I should seek to take that into my future. No, slow down. It's about changing your relationship and having a mindful gratitude approach. Because even if we want the best sleep for ourselves, when we become mothers of different neurodiverse children with different needs, it's important to understand every human being has a different brain, a different attention needing, a different attention seeking way of communicating. Not all babies are made the same, thank goodness, as well. So can you give a few tips then? Because I know something that I get asked a lot is, you know, when the baby goes to sleep, the mums then can't sleep because their minds are whirring from the day or from the maybe the stress of having the baby's finally down. I'm finally going to get some sleep. <laughs> and then we can't sleep. 
Exactly, but but (laughs) perhaps we are striving to sleep. Perhaps we're feeling we should be sleeping. So the first thing I help anybody understand, particularly prevalent for new mums, it's a lot of the work that I do. I'm about to do some sessions and some events with Mumhood Frame and a couple of really important, yeah, motherhood events, which I think is brilliant. They certainly didn't have them in... 2010 when I first had my daughter but it's really important to understand before you even start trying to change anything address acceptance when it comes to sleep that babies aren't designed to sleep that our hormones were going through a place of transition in terms of energy and mindset and I think it's true to say for most of us we find our most creative flow and energy I certainly did in the hours that I was feeding my daughter no matter how you feed your daughter babies need to be fed it doesn't matter how you feed them it's about that time that naturally mindful time, selfless time when you're surrendering to the needs of your child, whatever way, whatever theory you take on about that, is to use that creative time and always reflect forward. Never ever, like limiting beliefs, reflect back on the lack of sleep you may have had. Be thankful for the sleep that you've had. And even if that seems really difficult to do when you've perhaps only in your mind had two or three hours. When you begin to understand what happens in a sleep cycle, and we could easily do a whole hour on this, but in a nutshell, the most important thing to understand is our bodies and mind, our whole neurology is more resilient than we yet know. Particularly when it comes to sleep, think of sleep as a beautiful Swiss army. Swiss army of well-being for body and mind. In fact, there isn't a single biological function It doesn't get nourished and supported when you sleep. And that's not about eight hours sleep. That's one sleep cycle. A sleep cycle is 90 minutes. So start to think about, just like in mumhood, a more mother kind approach to sleep. 90 minute segments, even if you only have an hour and a half, your body goes down a staircase and does exactly what it wanted to do, just like technology, better than an iPhone 10. It knows exactly what it needs to do and it prioritizes. So taking that worry away and gifting a new parent, mother or father or two mothers, whoever, The ability to understand that even if you just have that one phase of sleep and then it's woken up surrendering to the needs of your child and then perhaps allowing yourself to have another phase, even two or three phases. Three phases is the minimum in 24 hours for mental health. That's quite a different phrase or frame than expecting to have seven or eight hours. Take that expectation away and say, what's the flip side? What's the minimum here? that I need to function for my mental health. One, two or three 90 minute periods of sleep and that can be across 24 hours. Then you're winning, then you're in control. Any more that you can give to yourself. And remember as well, even if we can't slip down into a perfect sleep cycle of sleep, even if we've got too many tabs open, if we haven't learned to relax, deep quality, rest and relaxation I mean away from tech so sitting and silent sitting in balance moving outside even if your baby's nourishing yourself with nature even if it's just a slower tempo the right tempo for you is as resourceful 
in the early days, in fact, in the first year, in fact, any time, then being in a state of stress and anxiety, having the ability, your way to rest and relax your mind, and I mean changing your breathing to a natural rhythm right for you, getting into a more mindful state or absorbing yourself, even if you're not working with a hypnotherapist, in a wonderful mind's eye visualization, a mini movie of gratitude, a daydream of abundance, your way. Go into your imagination and think, okay, if my body is not allowing me the opportunity to sleep, I can allow the opportunity for rest and relaxation. And I really don't mean, we cannot stress this enough, opening more tabs of information throughout the day, mindlessly scrolling. If it had no detriment, nobody would be worrying about it. But if we're understanding the importance of mental health and the long-term context, which I know about and most sleep scientists do now, I don't think there's any point reflecting on the gravity of the situation long-term if you don't learn how to rest and relax cumulatively. And I mean 10 or 20 years down the line. Okay, I haven't had the sleep I wanted. Okay, my mindset isn't where it needs to be. Having the resource to say, what can I do? Understanding I'm resourceful. Breath is my remote control. I always have my breath. Even if I don't have a mindful practice or the space for yoga or what I need, I have my breath. Breath is my remote control. I can press pause. I can relax. I can change the flow. Even if it doesn't come easy to you, every moment you attend to this, you become a breath ninja and therefore you become a ninja at your own mental health. It's such an easy step to understand, but so important. Then, if you start to think, how else can I flood my mental health? How else can I nourish myself throughout the day if I haven't had the sleep that I perhaps feel that I need? Taking hypnotherapy or many of the resources that are online, seeking a mentor, finding the right therapist for you or finding the right mentor or maven or that voice on social media who speaks to you and who resonates with you who helps you feel better about yourself more resourceful more abundant what else i can do and understanding that every moment every opportunity you can be more resourceful in your thoughts whether that's journaling like you said power of gratitude is huge and in fact I urge you if you haven't yet started get ahead of the January crowd and really start at any point in the year start to write down even if it's just one line a day to have that resource write that letter to your future self anyone that I'm working with that's the first part of our therapies writing that letter to your future self how do you want to think how do you want to feel how do you want to come across How do you want to guide yourself? It's so important. Start with the power of the pen. Or if writing doesn't feel right for you yet, find that resource on social media. Find that voice that really speaks to you. But just understand this, that if you care about your mental health and you care about being empowered about your well-being, sleep is the first opportunity in understanding how to relax making friends with sleep. And if you wake up in the night, I call this wakefulness in the five-week mindfulness course that I've developed. And it's a way of incorporating 
the many tools of acceptment and commitment therapy, mindful self-compassion, hypnotherapy, and understanding it takes five weeks to reset your biorhythm. Having a more mother-kind, kindful approach having a bit of patience to say if I'm worried about stress or anxiety or if I'm not where I need to be in my mindset if there's still some fear and anxiety and doubt attending to your sleep is the most beneficial first step that you can do and even if you can't sleep all the way through the night yet your body will learn how to if you send it the right signals understanding that just Being balanced in bed, even if for three or four sleep cycles, so six or seven hours, take it away from eight, take it away from myth, finding the right rest and relaxation for you. And even if that's spread across the day, I'm empowered. I'm on the pathway to learning how to sleep and rest and have a greater quality of sleep for me and I can always do something about it when people say to me I'm waking up in the night but I still wake up and I've woken up at two what can I do and I said ah perfect gift to become more resourceful at mindfulness run a body scan if you don't know what a body scan is yet an easy way into modern mindfulness and it always starts from the toes sending that gratitude that awareness that breath down from your toes in your own rhythm all the way back up through your body flooding your mind gifting yourself the time to nourish yourself with breath even if you just did breath you're not yet resourceful to step into visualization and the power of the mind breath and awareness when you wake up then you're finding the time that you perhaps haven't thought that you've got during the day so then you're on the winning side with an air of gratitude at what your body's allowed you to sleep and thinking what can i do today to rest and relax The other important number one point that I think I can make to you today when it comes to sleep and energy and well-being is being aware, like you said, of your own biorhythm, having that really mindful approach, 360 well-being that we're now talking about, which is where mental health is going. I think many of us know this from a marketing perspective. When is your best energy? If you don't yet know, start to map it out. Even if you just do this as journaling, when do you feel in flow state? When do you sense your most resourceful in body and mind and thought and emotion? Perhaps across the month as well, most of us women get a sense of that, of where we are. But even throughout the day, understanding that and pimping your day around that or having a mindful awareness When is my best energy? It is true that most of us know when we are. So whether that's you're a strong lark, you have your best energy and naturally feel more abundant in the morning. Dolphin is perhaps around the middle of the day. And of course, owl finding your better energy after that tea time. Now there's a reason mother nature, it's true, designed us not to be happy. She designed us to survive. (laughs) And that's not always fair, but it's important to reflect on that. It's not about being clap happy and positive all the time. Whenever I work with kids and teens, it's important to understand emotions like a yo sushi, if you like to call it, conveyor belt. They all have a place, they should all be there. We have a choice as to which plate we pick up 
and understanding you have the resource through breath, through relaxation, mindfulness yoga, whatever it takes for you to relax, your version of well-being, to put that plate down, pick it up, or even just notice that it has a place. It's coming around, perhaps sometimes sadness or reflection is allowed on the conveyor belt, but it will pass, this too shall pass, we, most of us know that right now and it's important to understand throughout our day we have a rhythm we don't have the same energy throughout the day so find out when your best energy is for your well-being be more resourceful be abundant have that greater sense of well-being get on with the things that you need to and when you find your energy dipping throughout the day and when you start to map that out be more nourishing be with a greater rhythm of well-being, shall we say. That's the most mindful version of you. Even if you don't yet have the time for a strong practice and a formal practice of mindfulness and well-being and in turn mental health and sleep, having a sense of your own energy throughout the day is, I think, one of the most important gifts that we can give ourselves. What can I do today to be mindful of my energy and in turn invite a greater quality sleep? And if not sleep, rest and relaxation. Yeah, I love that. I think we'll have to do another one on sleep. I know, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'd really happily follow up with a blog yeah. and a greater detail because it is... Let's do that. You know, the last, I think sleep's massive, isn't Sleep it? is massive. It's deeply personal too, given the context of where you are in motherhood as yeah, well yeah. at what stage you are but also you know reflecting on your core values and what is normal sleep for you it's so personal something that I ask everyone at the end yes of course is from your own experience you know and your your experience of motherhood and all of your professional experience if you could gift all the mothers one thing in the world what would it be <laughs> <laughs> well the, apart from sleep uh, exactly <laughs> apart from the gift of abundant sleep whenever we choose it firstly for me and I need to remind myself this very very often even with kids that are five and seven a massive greater sense of humor for a start but also finding your peace of mind mm. you know and it's not about happiness not striving peace of mind finding your peace of mind and understanding that balance and finding that sense for you is so important of course we would all gift happiness and calmness but just peace of mind mm, I love that that's something that I talk about a lot Tranquil. peace of mind yeah, yeah and it means different things to other people exactly. but it's just the most perfect version of you yeah without stress and anxiety yeah. troubling the waters yeah. without anything just that real deep call trust perhaps if we like to call it our second brain or our subconscious having that deep sense core belief of peace of mind and deep trust in yourself oh i love that well thank you so much and i think we're definitely going to do another one on sleep so i was like i want to know more so about sorry. this <laughs> let's do that yeah, let's, let's really do, do and perhaps do as mothers and perhaps it's really nice to break it down as different stages of parenthood yeah, um great if anybody and I have yet to meet him. But if anybody is interested in pure sleep science as I am and Sleep Geek, if you want to find out more, Matthew Walker has written a brilliant book that I know the sleep science is utterly solid. So from an evidence-based point of view, if anyone's interested in it, and his book is 
600 pages long, you know, and this is not even touching the surface. It's a huge subject. But as I said, start paying attention to your sleep. If that's the only thing you do, you will become naturally more resourceful, mm. naturally more mindful and resilient. Start to find out. Maybe you can do a blog for us and condense I'd love some to. of that 600 yes. pages. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to. I know. I, I really would. And as I said, I'm on a Kamarama sleep mission for new mums and parents across okay. 2018 so look where out can and people find out about that yeah i'm going to be sharing more on social media and on instagram at kamarama but also just like with mother kind i'm going to be sharing more resource and please get in contact with me as well whenever i have time i'm really happy to answer questions and empower you with geeky sleep science it's important <laughs> we lift the lid on it the more you know the more curious you are Great. Well, thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you. Absolutely it's brilliant. Probably overran, but it was a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please check out my Instagram where we continue the conversation and I post daily about all things motherhood and well-being. Also, if you haven't already, have a look at my website because I've been writing more and more blogs and I'm also putting on there all the events and talks that I'm giving And of course, if you haven't, then please do have a listen to some of the other episodes because I'm chatting to some really incredible women that I'd love you to enjoy. And if you did enjoy it, then please, please leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. So thank you very much. Mm